This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. Hey, Tony, how are you? This is Jonathan Master. Hey, man, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Hey, thanks for your willingness to do this today. Yeah, no problem. Welcome to Theology on the Go. I'm Jonathan Master, your host, and today we're continuing our series on the doctrines of grace, or what are sometimes called the five points of Calvinism. We're on the second of these, unconditional election. And our guest today, we're really delighted to have him for the first time on the program, is the founding pastor of Imago Dei Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. He serves as associate professor of preaching at Southeastern Baptist Seminary in Wake Forest. He's written a number of books, including the Christ-Centered Expositor. And, and I'll also mention he's one of the upcoming speakers at the Quakertown Regional Conference on Reformed Theology this year in 2016. And you can get more details on this event, as well as on other events sponsored by the Alliance, by visiting AllianceNet.org. But in any case, Tony, Merida, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, man. All right. So, Tony, I want to jump right into Unconditional Election. But, but kind of come about it uh, from the back uh, to front. So can you just start by talking to us about election? Some Christians, even when they hear the term election, um, it makes them a little bit nervous. So maybe you could talk about what the Bible teaches on election and why that's so significant in our doctrine of salvation. Yeah, well, I appreciate you giving me an easy subject. I appreciate the guys at the uh, conference handing me this one. Uh, yeah, we, we try to we try to start off the first time guests with easy ones. <laughs> yeah, I think most uh, Americans are worried about the national election, um, but um, I am happy to uh, meditate for a bit on the doctrine of election, which is really good news. Um, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the fact that it is uh, somewhat. Uh, of a stumbling block to some. Um, I run mainly in the the Baptist world, though not exclusively, and we've got guys all over the spectrum on this particular doctrine. Um, so I think one thing to, to point out, uh, you could start anywhere, you know, with this subject. It's so, so huge, but is that the, the concept of God choosing a, a people to display his glory is not new. Um, it, it doesn't just arrive in the New Testament. Uh, you could say that the whole Bible is a book about election. Um, God chose to create the world uh, for his glory. Um, God chose Abraham uh, to bring a blessing to the nations. Uh, God chose the nation of Israel that they uh, would display his glory, that they would be a light to the nations. Um, in, in the Gospels, Jesus uh, chooses his disciples that they would bear fruit and give glory to God. Um, Paul adds in 1 Corinthians that God has often chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world to uh, shame uh, the wise of the world so that no human being might boast in his presence. Um, and then you have a number of epistles that tease out kind of this, this doctrine of election, like Ephesians chapter 1, which is probably my favorite text on this subject, in which we read about how God has chosen individuals for salvation, both Jew and Gentile, and they make up the church. So um, this is a, a a big story. You know, it's part of the, the, the grand narrative of the Bible. Um, and we could talk about why I think some of this uh, – uh, language about the doctrine of election when it comes to salvation is bothersome to some. Um, 
but I think at the heart of it, it is it is a reaction of human pride. Uh, we, we want to we naturally want to boast uh, in ourselves, uh, but the doctrine of election won't la- allow it. We we are we are humbled. We realize that we we uh, do not deserve uh, what we have uh, as recipients of the grace of Christ Jesus. And this doctrine is really intended to humble us, I think, and to comfort us. Like the doctrine of election is, should be a warm doctrine, and and not a not a doctrine that is uh, creating dispute. It it should be a, a doctrine that fuels worship, as it does in Ephesians one. The whole the whole chapter just opens up with Paul bursting into praise with one long sentence as he's pondering what God has done for us uh, in in bringing us to himself. And so um, I'm not a controversialist, you know, um, I'm, I don't try to create enemies. I just want to teach the Bible and I don't want to ignore what the Bible uh, says throughout the pages of the Bible. And, be, and moreover, it's it's a doctrine that I want people to understand because it's it's a doctrine that gives us incredible assurance, incredible hope, incredible reason for um, worshiping, and it gives us great confidence in evangelism, knowing that ultimately uh, this isn't up to our uh, strategy and our wisdom, but upon God's grace. So um, I guess that's a bit of an introduction on the subject. Well, it's a helpful introduction because I liked how you 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 focused on the scope and sweep of of the Bible, and 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 it's it's everywhere in the scriptures. It's not just one or two isolated texts that we can maybe debate the meaning of, but it's really it's really central to the Bible's whole story about God's um, interaction with his with his creatures. So so mm-hmm. I want to move then to that to talk specifically about our our salvation from from sin and death through Christ and. And we use this term unconditional election. So what what's what's significant that 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 word unconditional adds? In other words, what what does that doctrine mean that it's unconditional election? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, this is a, a theological concept that, you know, we um, is rooted in the, in the scriptures. And then as we pull in other doctrines like the doctrine of sin, um, we see that God has not chosen us uh, based on any merit in and of ourselves. Um, I think it was Spurgeon. I'm not sure. Everything's attributed to Spurgeon or Augustine, it seems. <laughs> but, uh, but Spurgeon said, um, you know, that God God uh, had to have chosen me before uh, the foundation of the world because he certainly wouldn't have chosen me after I was born. You know, I was I was such an unworthy mm. sinner to receive grace that <clears throat> this this idea that um, he didn't choose us because we were cute. You know, he didn't choose us because we had something to bring to the table. He doesn't choose us because we were smart or gifted. It's unconditional. It's rooted in his, his own sovereign purposes and his own uh, gracious pleasure. Um, and that, that is, uh, again, that's, that's why we sing praise to God and not praise about ourselves. Uh, is because uh, this has been an act that's done, and again, not because of any foreseen merit in us. He, you know, didn't look through the corridor of time and see, uh, you know, that that we would we would be so uh, so acceptable, you know, but rather uh, despite our sin and uh, despite our rebellion and our folly and our stupidity, he and his matchless grace chose before the foundation of the world to. To have us for himself and that's really again the storyline of the bible of god having a purpose or god having a people for himself 
uh, of people that he reveals his glory to and people that he reveals his glory through. And um, we get to be part of that grand story. And again, it's it's breathtaking. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, you talked earlier, though, about some of the some of the arguments and disputes related to it, even within your own um, uh, denominational affiliation. Um, so, so one of the one of the criticisms or, or questions that's raised about election and, and unconditional election is that it, uh, it it takes away from uh, evangelism in some way. Uh, in other words, it makes it so that we we can't present a free offer of the gospel um, to to those to whom we preach. Um, so, so I'm wondering, how has this doctrine of unconditional election, or you could even go more broadly to the doctrines of grace in general, how, how has your understanding of these doctrines affected your understanding and practice of evangelism? Yeah, that's a great question, and that is a passion of mine, evangelism. Um, I would just say those who think the doctrine of election somehow stifles, um, doctrine of election stifles evangelism, uh, it's wrong. Uh, on first of all, on a biblical level, um, there are several examples of how evangelism motivates, or excuse me, election evangelism motivates uh, evangelism. For example, uh, Acts 18, as Paul is in the city of Corinth, he's very discouraged, and uh, Jesus appears to him in a vision and says, uh, "You know, go on speaking, don't be silent. Uh, no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many people in this city, and they will." They will become his people as Paul shares the gospel with them. But he was giving great, giving great comfort in the midst of that, knowing that it wasn't ultimately up to him. And then I think as you just look historically at uh, missional uh, work around the world, so many of our great missionary heroes embraced the doctrine of election and were, were Calvinists. Um, and I think that's what sustained them for the long haul, is that uh, they had a big God um, and they— that they knew um, that God had ordained the end as well as the means and that people would be saved through the gospel and that uh, God would save people um, uh, by his own, you know, by his own work, his own pleasure, uh, as they faithfully uh, shared the gospel, that it wasn't ultimately up to, to them, but uh, up to him and his grace. So the likes of William Carey and Judson and uh, gosh, a host of others. Um, were the most evangelistic people, and then I just know on a personal level, some of my some of my pastor friends, especially who are most zealous in evangelism. I think of some brothers I have out in Reno, who just are uh, aggressive in their evangelistic pursuit, and and they kind of joke about it. They're saying, "Well, like um, we 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 don't know who God's going to bring to Himself. We're just going to tell everybody, and um, and we trust that that He will." So I don't think um, it makes any sense really on a, a biblical level, on a historical level, and even just on a, uh, a personal level. So for me, as a, you know, my theological pilgrimage uh, has, has went along. I, this is one subject I can honestly say I never wrestled with. I, I talk to people all the time who just talk about fighting and resisting the doctrine of election. And I became a Christian in college. And um, on an experiential level, uh, I know that I was not seeking after God. I was I was doing anything but pursuing God and uh, God in his grace totally transformed my life. And then as I began to read the Bible, uh, I didn't have these categories. You know, I didn't know what the the points of Calvinism were. Or I'd never read a systematic theology book. I was, uh, you know, a new Christian. 
And um, I just started reading Romans and the rest of the epistles, but Romans especially. And um, and I just I just saw this and it it it, you know, it was plain in the Bible um, and it was personal to me. I, I had experienced God's irresistible grace. Um, and so when I later discovered there was a uh, more of a system of theology that some call Reformed theology, um, it was just sort of a natural. Oh, yeah. That, when it comes to reform, reformed soteriology, uh, there, there was never any any pushback. Now, I've struggled with other doctrines, you know, uh, related to the end times, for example, and what to do with particular spiritual gifts. But this particular doctrine for me was, was not one that I was mad about, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's that's a helpful testimony about your own knowledge right away that this was you were running away from God as we all were, but you you were really aware of it and 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 the Lord opened your eyes. That's that's very helpful. Um, now I'm wondering transitioning from evangelism to to worship um, earlier on in one of I think your first answer you talked about the fact that we don't sing praise to ourselves because um, you know among other things. God has has is the one who has chosen us, and He's responsible for our salvation. I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit more. The way in which the doctrine of election or unconditional election, or all this uh, these doctrines, this sort of constellation of doctrines, um, affects your your worship of the Lord and your your Christian life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I would just direct the listeners again afresh to Ephesians one three to fourteen, um, where Again, Paul, uh, Paul sees the doctrine of election not as a as a uh, a place to argue, but um, he, he he worships as he considers the fact that that the Father has has chosen us in Christ, and in so doing has adopted us. And so, you know, related to this doctrine of election, it's it's not a cold doctrine. It's it's a familial doctrine. It's it's a the Father has chosen us to be His children. And uh, that should just stimulate awe and praise. Um, it won't stimulate awe and praise if everybody's trying to work it out with their little, you know, fallen brain, trying to figure out how, how you reconcile human responsibility with the doctrine of election, which, of course, is reconcilable. Um, as Spurgeon again said, these are friends, they're not enemies. Um, but if you spend all your time trying to to parse out how all this works together, I think you're going to miss a great opportunity uh, to fall on your knees and worship uh, a, a God who is our Father, who who has adopted us. And um, this doctrine of adoption is is a, is a doctrine that I've personally come to love uh, more and more over the last se seven years or so. We have five adopted children, and I've just I've just uh, you know come. Afresh to, to to this this doctrine, which doesn't find itself into a lot of systematic theology books. Quite frankly, if it does, it's very short amount of pages. Um, but when I think doctrine of, of of election, I think the Father has has chosen us to be His children, and um, we love our Father, and so we want to give want to give praise to our Father, and we know we're here, just like my kids know that they're in my family, not because they they you know uh, were, were merited. You know uh, this this type of, of favor, um, but because uh, they were they were chosen, and they were chosen not just to get out of you know coming wrath, but uh, they were loved, uh, 
uh, as Paul says in Ephesians 1, in love, he predestined us for adoption. And so I think the proper response to the love of our, our sovereign father is, is uh, love back to him in, in worship. Tony, if this is a new doctrine to some of our listeners, or if it's a doctrine that they've sort of wrestled with and never taken on fully, um, or, or if it's a familiar doctrine, but just one they'd like to meditate further on, do you have any suggestions about you know, books or, or resources that have been particularly helpful to you in meditating on the doctrine of unconditional election? Yeah, so uh, just a few real quick. Um, I would, first of all, just direct the listeners to some good commentaries on particular passages, you know. So um, and there are a gazillion commentaries one could recommend, but a good solid commentary on uh, Ephesians, one on Romans, you know. Um, and then when it comes to like more popular level books, um, Chosen by God by R.C. Sproul, um, would be one that comes to mind. Uh, the the book by Piper that um, probably receives less praise than his other books, but I think the, the most important book, arguably, that he's written is The Pleasures of God and his um, how he works out um, the sovereignty of God in all things, including election. So one, one sees in this book that uh, our God is in the heavens. He does as he pleases, and he he is working out his sovereign purposes, and that includes the doctrine of election. And so I think, again, if you can understand it within the broad scope of the Bible, the sweep of the Bible, and the sweep of God's purposes in all things, um, then the doctrine of election seems like uh, it, it makes makes more sense. So I would, I would recommend um, Piper's book, and then probably just some good systematic theology books. Um, Wayne Grudem's uh, Systematic Theology is a book I cut my teeth on, uh, Burkhoff, and uh, and many others who are uh, in a reform camp. I would encourage the readers to listen or to read those who are you know in disagreement as well um, to be um, to to hear the the pushback. We all see through a glass darkly. We're trying to humbly uh, understand these things, which are quite frankly mysterious in places, right? Um, and the doctrine of, of election is, is a very difficult doctrine to grasp. So uh, those would be some sources I would recommend. Uh, and then to, to listen to, to sermons, I think that would help a lot. Um, and to, I remember one time when Piper was preaching, uh, he got to Romans 9, and he did an introduction sermon to uh, Romans 9. And he didn't deal with much in terms of the actual text, just he introduced the subject. And he said to his audience something to the effect of, if this takes you 20 years to get it, I'm okay with that. Um, and I think that kind of patience is required as we, as we teach certain doctrines. And I think it's required as you try to learn certain doctrines. Um, so don't be frustrated if, if you know, the light doesn't go on tomorrow when you begin this journey or if you're teaching it that everybody accepts it immediately. Uh, the, these things are, are deep. They're difficult. Um, they cut against the grain, especially of an American democracy that wants to, uh, you know, uh, assert their will in everything. Um, and so it's going to take some time to cut against the grain of, of some of that and for our minds to try to comprehend it. Tony Marita, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. Uh, it's been very helpful to me and I'm sure to our listeners as well. So thanks very much. My great pleasure, my friend. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Theology on the Go, and Theology on the Go, like all the ministries of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, is supported directly by listeners like you. So if you'd like to support the Alliance to give a gift, you can do that online very easily by going to either placefortruth.org or alliancenet.org. Now, if you go to placefortruth.org, we'd like to give away to you an MP3 by Derek Thomas entitled Unconditional Election, the topic of this interview. And so if you if you want to study, you want to learn a little more about this, go to placefortruth.org. You can download the MP3, Unconditional Election. It's from the 2006 Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology. And I want to thank you for continuing to listen to Theology on the Go and to urge you to continue to listen further to this podcast, which is a brief interview about an eternal truth. Thank you.